Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome in to Judd's Hockey Show. It's Judd Zolgad. It's Declan Goff. And those of you watching on YouTube are about to see Wild General Manager Bill Guerin. Kind enough to come back. What's up, Billy? How you doing? I'm doing great, Judd. How are you guys doing? Hey, Declan. Hey, Billy. How's it going? Good. I love it. It's a good Irish name. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Judd Zolgad is not, by Yeah, the Judd's way. not Irish. No, it's not. But we Russian. Oh. It's a cool name, too. It's, it's Russian. Cool. And we don't want to talk about Russia right now. <laughs> we, I'm sure you've had enough. So I've got enough. We'll ignore that completely. So the uh, so your, your club's got a, a couple of uh, exhibition games left. Opens the season next week against the Rangers at home. And, Billy, I want to start you off here. Um, what's been your assessment of camp, and what are your expectations, you know, co- coming off a playoff disappointment but a really good season last year? What are what are your expectations now with this current collection uh, that you're going to start with next week? First of all, I've been very happy with camp. Um, you know what, I, I – Everybody came in in great shape as as they all do now, but you know, you usually have one or two guys that 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 are amiss, and we didn't have any. Um, the you know the, the veterans on our team continue to lead the way. Uh, you know, we have a great environment, a great culture. Uh, they they make everybody feel uh, part of the team right away. No matter if you're a first year junior kid, college kid, whatever it is, new NHL guy, we we've got a good thing going here, and our, I, I credit our veteran guys for that. Um, and you know, they're doing what they have to do to get ready. I, I really like Tyson Joe's camp. Um, the guys that, that have something to prove Tyson, uh, Sam Steele, Marco Rossi, Kalen Addison, um, you know, even guys like Mason, Mason Shaw, uh, you know, Mitchell Chafee, Brandon Baddock, all these guys have, have really stepped up, Nick Patan, and, and had great camps, and, and they're making. Uh, you know, and I, I know I left a few guys out. Uh, Dakota Mermis is another one. Schuster's another one. But they're making my – they're doing what they're, suppo- what they're supposed to be doing, and that's making my decisions difficult. Billy, uh, on those difficult decisions and just guys that have, have shown flashes here and there and have had good camps in the minor leagues, I'm curious on your thoughts on Kalen Addison's development so far. So you, you were familiar with him going back to Pittsburgh. He obviously was acquired here in the Zucker trade a few years back now. Played a handful of AHL games. Just from your, I guess, GM view and a former player's view, what is maybe the last thing he needs to prove to be a regular NHL player with the Minnesota Wild? Well, I, I, I personally think he's ready. Um, you know what? He's ready to be a full-time NHL player. 
you know, now it's about consistency. You can't be an NHL player unless you're consistently good. And uh, that's probably the, the, I mean, hey, look, we're always working at our game. We can always get better. Uh, but the consistency for a young player is the hardest thing. And that's, that's definitely probably, probably the biggest thing I'll be looking for. Special teams wise, um, I I know that that there has been a a fo- focus in camp on both uh, power play, penalty kill. I want to start with penalty kill, Billy, because I've watched a couple of the games so far, and I got to tell you, I love the aggressive PK. Like I love taking it to two teams, pressuring the puck, um, and I don't know, like per- personnel wise, if, if there's going to be a ton of changes there, but I think going in with almost an offensive first focus makes a huge difference because it keeps teams, you know, basically they can't sit back or, or you don't sit, sit back. The attacking style of the penalty kill to me is going to be an exceptional step forward to at least potentially improving on the PK. Do you want to coach? I love. I love. I've, I've loved it since <laughs> Billy. I'm going to tell you right now. The yeah. LA Kings in the '80s played this, and I loved it. Pressure the points, especially. Here's my thing. I've never gotten this. Hold on a Pressure second. The points. I love it. I've I've never gotten this when you and I get this. You drop a forward to the point, right? Why would you not then, if you're killing the penalty, pressure that that guy because he's not a defenseman, and if he if he you know is stripped of the puck, he's going to panic sometimes. That's the I, one that I, I really I, like. I, John, I don't want to burst your bubble. I really don't. Nothing Nothing screams 80s like pressure the points. I'm an 80s guy. I know, so am I. I'm an 80s guy. We're about the same it's, age. It's don't more, sell me out, brother. I'm not, I wasn't a penalty killer, but it's a little more technical than that. It's a little more the game has advanced uh, quite, quite a bit. But I, I've been very happy with, uh, the special teams in the in the preseason. We all know it's a different ball game when we get to the regular season. But um, you know, an aggressive style is. Hey, look, we play we play an aggressive style five on five uh, power play. Why wouldn't we do it penalty kill wise? And you know, I think the biggest the biggest thing for me is on on any special teams on any uh, any any part of the game really is the ability to adjust, the ability to make changes as we go. And you know what? I, I really believe in our coaching staff, and I, I think they've they've really worked hard in the off season to uh, come up with a bunch of different things that are going to help us do that uh, on a night in night out basis. Bill, I feel like there was also a like kind of aura around the wild when you when you lost Fiala and yet an early exit again in the in the playoffs this year. That oh, how are they going to replicate their success again? And just looking at a lot of what analytics are putting out and a lot of point projections. They still have the Minnesota Wild as the second best team in the Central, a team that should be well over 100 points again, I guess. When you see those analytic models, and when you even talk to your own analytic people on staff, it just seems like they're still bullish on this club still being one of the best teams in the Western Conference this season. I mean, hey, the, I don't, that's their their analytical uh, breakdown of our team. Uh, then it's great. Um, we have to play the games, so we'll we'll find out. But I, I'm a big believer in this team, and I know we've lost some people uh, to other teams along the way, but that doesn't matter to me. Uh, that's an opportunity for somebody else. It was never a one-man show. <clears throat> um, you know, and, and uh, hey, you know what? You move on. Like, you think the Colorado Avalanche are going to stop because they lost Nazem Kadri? Like, 
this happens every year. It's it's not that big a deal. Let's just move on and play hockey. So, um, yeah, those, those are nice things to be pointed out. But like I always say, you got to play the games. Boldy looks bigger and better just from the what I've I've seen. Do do you see a, a guy that put on some some positive pounds? Um, because he looks, he looks like he's, he's transitioning even more so into that, you know, power forward, like type of, of look. And I love his style of play. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I, everybody wants to play with a guy like Matt because he creates room. He makes plays, uh, he puts the puck in the right places. Um, you know, it's not just about weight, you know, that that's again, Judd, we're going back to the eighties, you know, come on. It's about strength in the right places. It's about, you know, it is about being a little heavier, but having your your mass in the right place for protection, you know, with physical play. Matt holds onto the puck a lot, so he needs that that built-in armor. Um, But he's stronger. And Mm -hmm. there there is a real thing called old man strength. And you really do get stronger as you get older. Tell me about it, huh? Yeah. (laughs) You know, and – even though Matt's in the NHL, he's still a young man and he's still developing, you know, physically. And a lot of these guys are, so um, there's, there's still a, a lot of room for improvement, but he, he, he has definitely uh, obviously had a good summer. Uh, Billy curious on the, the goaltending split here. So Mark Andre Fleury uh, now coming back to the wild, you bring in uh, Gustafson to back him up. Cam Talbot's um, out as well. Is the thought process here, I know Mark Andre said he likes to play a lot, is the thought process here to have a maybe 60-40 split? Like, what is kind of your, your thought process of how you'd like these goaltending tandems be deployed throughout the regular season? Yeah, you know what, I, I don't want to just, you know, uh, get stuck on a number or mm-hmm. percentage or whatever. It's it's really more, we just have to look at the schedule well in advance and, and really manage uh, the, goalies, uh, the goalies' work uh, work, uh, rest ratio. I mean, you know, flowers, flowers a little bit older, but he's in fantastic shape. He plays better when he's playing a lot, but we also have to make sure that Gus is getting, uh, you know, the, the time that he needs. He's, you know, he hasn't played a ton in the league. We need to get him in games. Uh, we need to get him, you know, uh, you know, kind of connecting with our team and our defensemen and getting on the same page, but I've been very happy with both of them through, uh, you know, this far in training camp. So, Bill, what, what's a fair um, total of games to ask uh, Flower to play, do you think? Like, what's a uh, ballpark of what you think is probably fair at his age? Yeah, I'd probably say 55, right around there. But, I, I like, again, don't don't hold me to a number. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it's going to be. It's, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just answering your question, man. Yeah, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Okay. No, it's, it's, it's really – it's really – uh, you know what? It could be 50, could be 55. I don't know. It could be 57. I yeah. think the most important thing is that you look at where he's going to carry a heavy workload and where he's going to get all his rest. Mm-hmm. Marco Rossi, the topic du jour. Uh, I, I see where we are uh, re- recording this on Thursday before the Blackhawks preseason game. I saw a line combination for tonight because Hartman is not playing that uh, he's going to be centering the first line. Uh, does he have the club made? And if so, what are what are right now, currently, not in three months, not in two months, the the expectations there um, th- that would be considered fair for him? Uh, no, it doesn't have the club made. Uh, this is just a good opportunity for him. 
Archie's not playing tonight. And I think Marco's done a, a, a very good job of, of playing the role that he's been in with, uh, you know, Dewey and Dewey. And, um, you know, I think tonight's just a, a good, like I said, a good opportunity for him. So, uh, you know, let, let's let him enjoy this, try to make some plays. And, um, hey, you know what, let's see how it goes. But, uh, you know, expectations, again, you know, kind of like Yaddy, you know, he's doing, Marco's doing all the right things. He's at a very good camp, doing all the right things. Can you do it consistently? Can you do it eight out of 10 games? You know, mm-hmm. can you do it? Then can you do it nine out of 10? Then can you put a stretch of 20 good games together? Like, these are all things that, you know, and this is probably the toughest thing for a young player is to really gain that consistency. So um, that's something that we'll really watch for with him, too. Bill, I saw a uh, top 20 list come out from NHL Network, the best players right now going into this season. And I think Kirill Kaprizov uh, checked in at number 14. He's now entering year three uh, in the NHL. He's obviously solidified himself as one of the better forwards in the NHL. But do you think entering uh, year three and by the end of this season, Kirill Kaprizov is going to be one of the top 10 players in the NHL? And do you already think he is one of those top 10 players in the NHL? Yeah, I already think he is. I mean, he's he's definitely up there. I mean, it's 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 all relative, really, when you're talking about this. But um, he he's you know one of the most dangerous goal scorers out there. He, I mean, hundred something points last year, and only his really his second year. I mean, he really can do it all. Like he's he's a very very good player, and um, you know, I I think even from by last year's standards, there's more. Uh, there, there has been, I think, in the last month or so, speculation that you might not be done yet and, and might be trying to find one more potential forward who can score some goals. Are, are you still uh, examining your options there? And do you think there's a decent chance that, that there's an addition before opening night, or is that probably a long shot? No, I, I think it's a real long shot. You know what, to be honest with you, you know, I, I've I've heard that, and you know, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to add scoring. There's always a price to get it. Um, but to be quite honest with you, with the camps that that Tyson Jones is having, and uh, Sam Steele, Marco uh, Patan, you know, maybe we maybe we have it, and maybe we can hold on and stay flexible and keep our cap space. That would be. That would be nice too. The one thing, and I, I've always said, it, we're not going to rush in to do something just to do it. We're going to make, uh, you know, a calculated move, and uh, you know, being patient is always, uh, you know, better than than rushing into it. Bill, how, how much do do you think this team learned from last spring? Like, because you've you have this, it, it feels like that you have a team that that you like a lot. So, like, the, the room's in good shape. It feels like it came together. But just as far as that, you know, next gear for playoffs, how much do, do you think that that the veterans especially, I guess, as well, took away from that disappointing experience and can translate now to potential success this season? Well, I think they took away a lot. And you know what? It takes a lot more than just being really pissed off. Like, that doesn't – yeah, we're all, we're all pissed off. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all mad. Like, that's, that's not enough, though. You really have to learn. You have to dive into the problem and figure out what happened as a team and as an individual. You know what? Where can we get where do we have to get better? Where can we get better? And and that's that only comes with experience. This is not this is not your Minnesota Wild team from four and five years ago. 
this is not the same cast of characters that have always been around. Yeah. So I, I actually, I actually kind of get, get a little pissed off because this is really the first time that this group of guys has been able to do what, what they can do. And you know mm-hmm. what? It's been pretty good the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of teams that, that have been out in the first round. It just happens. But the most important thing is that we learn and we get better for it. What do you particularly like to uh, about this collection, Bill? I mean, most of them now for the last few years has mostly made the same. Some, you know, guys come and go a little bit here and there. But what is it about maybe this group from last season and now carrying over to this season that really kind of stands out to you that it has a different vibe and a different feel to it? Well, it, it, it we've kind of gotten to the point. It doesn't it doesn't matter about the changes. Like guys are going to come and guys are going to go. The the culture remains the same. And the message is going to be the same is that we're here to win and the players are driving that. And you know what? These guys care. They, they really do. And they, they don't just want to win. They're, they're doing what they have to do in order to win. Last thing off the playoff loss, Billy. Um, what do you think that, that Dean and his staff learned too? Because it did seem like, and it, it's been, you know, pointed out a few times that there could have probably been some earlier adjustments in certain cases that there weren't. And, and, you know, for him, I'm sure just like for a bunch of the players coaching in the playoffs, it was somewhat of a learning experience. What do you think the staff took away from that series? Well, it's just like the, it's just like the players, you know, what analyze what could have, you know, what, what could have done gone better? What could we have done better? What could we have done differently? Um, And that goes for me too. You know, what could, what could I have done differently, uh, you know, you know, trade-wise or uh, suggest lineups or this or that? I mean, I, I, I take responsibility as well. This isn't just on, you know, just the players. You know, it's on the coaches, and it's on me too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we all have to get better. We all have to learn. Um, but I, I do think that everybody uh, has, has really made a, a conscious effort to kind of figure that out. And, you know, my message to the guys this year was we need to take a step. Mm-hmm. And and that requires more commitment, more dedication, more sacrifice, and more focus. Um, and you know what? It, winning hurts. And, and we've got to go. <laughs> sometimes you have to go through a little pain uh, to get there. You can ask, uh, you know what? Don't forget. Look, just look back and, and look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look at their – look at they, they didn't – they haven't won every year for 10 years. Right. They got swept by Columbus. They've missed the playoffs. They've gone to the conference finals and then they miss the playoffs again. Like it's not all perfect everywhere. So you got you gotta remember that. Playoffs are tough too. I, I mean it's that's hard. that's the thing. It's, it's not there are good teams out there. Exactly, exactly. Last thing for you, sir. I just want you to know my my hockey fandom, my roots are 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 very much where you you said 80s early 90s this is a mike madonna card so i just want you to know when i talk about pressuring the puck it comes from a place of love for the 21 team national hockey league and by the way if i could go back i would right now 21 teams fantastic you'd you'd go back to man-on-man coverage in the d zone wood stick espo for you okay And and no curve that's a great card i got a little espo for you as well all right i mean this is where it's at the, the golden era. I want to go back to steel blades too. The, the gold. You know what? I just missed them. <laughs> I just missed steel blades. Damn it! All right, Bill. Thank you. Thanks See you at the rink, guys. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks, Great Billy. stuff. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I just wanted to show them. I, yeah, I, I want to show them. I know. 
I know. You, you, you two could have. I could have. I could have just hopped off the mic, and you two could have talked about eighties hockey for oh, like we're forty-five at the same age. minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love. I loved how he put his head down at one point. Okay, so um, last thing he said, I thought was really intriguing, Dex. If, mm-hmm. if we can just yep. um, react to him for a second here, I love the fact that, and he's right. This team needs to take a, a step. Now, are they going to be as successful points-wise as they were uh, last year? Hundred thirteen. I don't think so. Number one, I don't care. Um, I do think that they are a playoff team now. And I love the fact that that he talked about what we talked about in the playoffs last year, which is it's tough. It's really tough. While it's going on, it's not fun. Like, it's tough. Then if you win, it's great. But um, I think that there is, I think he's got the room and the team and the roster where he wants it or it's certainly very close now, which he didn't have. Um, I do think that there were a lot of, of people, including the coach, who probably uh, can and seems like they did, hopefully, take a lot from the yep. loss in five games. That's the key to me. A couple, couple things that stood out from our conversation there. Um, number one, yes, the learning. What did you learn there? Not just, oh, bad luck. Oh, you know, we just got beat by a hot goaltender. Oh, if we took those shot attempts and did it again, I bet we win. There's no excuse making. Which I love that they that yeah, that there was yeah. that there was accountability right. held there from Bill and from obviously the coaching staff and obviously without without us talking to Dean or knowing what's happening on the coaching side, I like that Bill basically said like is there things I'm not doing right? Are there things that I'm not communicating to the staff on down? You know, I think Billy probably had more of a more of a hands off approach to let the coaches coach. You know, as Lou Nanny always loves to say. But I also know he probably thinks I probably could have stepped in here and there and provided this type of input. And and that's all about learning on it. The second part, which is I think some wild fans might get hung up on and sometimes roll their eyes at when he what he just said, and I even wrote it down verbatim, this is not your same wild team from four or five years <laughs> yes. ago. That is that that is a, that's basically the, a shot at the former group that everyone loved to, to talk about. And we're so sad yep. to see them go. Bill Guerin knows that this team is better without them. And that is why it was so important and why it was worth the risk of trading those players, buying out those players, doing all those necessary steps because the Wild would be better for it. And and you can hear it in his voice. I get pissed off talking about this all the time, but it's because people keep asking and probably pontificating on the fact of, oh, but what if this person was here? Remember how it was when the, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't, no, I, think- I felt woefully short. I think what he he does not like, and I don't blame him, but it's natural of fans, so I, I don't blame them. I think what ticks him off the most is this typical wild, you know, they got into the playoffs yes. and they lost again. And he's like, no, this is a different team. But I get both sides here. Yep. I get he's, he's right. A lot of guys, the majority of guys are gone. But fans, much like with the Twins, right? Mm-hmm. Like 18 consecutive playoff defeats goes back to what, 2004. Um 2004 has nothing to do with now, but I also get fans are tired of this. So I get it cuts both ways, but I do think that he is, I like, I love where he's coming from and saying, basically, I think I blew that locker room up for a reason and we're going to get to where we're going. Now time will tell on that. We have no idea, but yeah, I love the mentality. Um, And and again, Dex, I think the most important thing is if nothing else, what did you learn? Like if that blue, because it felt like the previous group never learned anything. In fact, they regressed, didn't they? Um, 
if this group learned, if Dean learned, if uh, if Boldy learned, Kaprizov, the whole group, um, then you know what? Then it was a painful first round exit, but you benefited from it. And that's my problem in sports. Too often, it feels like teams are like, no, this is how we do things and we're going to continue. Mm-hmm. The smart teams are like, oh, hell no. Oh, right. no, no. We <laughs> saw this. And next time around, we're going to make sure that we give ourselves the chance for it to be different. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's what that's what losing and that's what learning from it goes. And and I, I get Bill's frustration of same old wild. I mean, you know, I, I, it's different, but it, it's similar, you know, to the end of the Twins runs of division titles from, you know, 10 years ago where they got in the playoffs six times and they had absolutely nothing to show for it. Now, at least the wild can figure out a way to win a damn playoff game here and there, at least make the series interesting. Uh, yeah. But it's but it's in that same nebulum of of. Great regular season team falls woefully short in the postseason, and it's up to them to fix it. And you know, I, and that's why I was I, I was curious on his thoughts just on the analytic approach because just about every analytic model that I see has the Wild as a hundred plus point team in second place in the Central. And I feel like when it when they let go of Fiala and they basically stood pat this offseason, I think my expectations from seeing those projections was that it was going to say about a ninety to ninety five point team that's probably a wild card team in. And that's not what these models are saying. These models are saying, no, this team won't just be a wild card team. They have a, a threat to be right behind Colorado in the Central. So I, I've seen the same thing. I guess I have different thoughts about it. The first thing comes down to one thing to me, goaltending. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's a wild card. And if Flurry can play 55 games, you know, 56 games, that means he's playing pretty damn well, right? Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Gustafson, we don't know. We just don't know. And so goaltending to me is a huge question mark um, because if Flurry regresses and, and last year is weird because he played so much of the year with a terrible Blackhawks team that I don't feel it's fair to hold that against him. So now he's with a good team. Um, Gustafson, I have no idea. I have no clue. I, I saw him play uh, in a part of an exhibition game. He played really well, but that is again, a preseason game. So goaltending is my question. I think the blue line is pretty damn strong. Um, how did it sit with you that with the season starting next week, he didn't guarantee Marco Rossi a roster spot? Well, it, I'm curious. What you you know, I would like for him to make this roster. And at the end of the day, I do tend to side with more of the management and more of a transparent approach like that from Garen, who basically just says, hey, he has the talent. I've seen it. But can you string together all these little things? that go right over our heads that go that, that you, you see a guy, you know, taking up a roster spot and you just think, well, that player's clearly worse than this hot young prospect that's coming up, but there's a reason he's there over the other guy for now. Um, yeah. I think Marco Rossi probably, probably makes this roster if he doesn't and plays 20 games in the AHL to start the season. I'm also not going to be completely um, crippled by that fact. I don't, and I don't think most fans would be completely shocked by that either. Um, I'm curious when he gets here, how long does he stay here? And where does he fit into this roster? Because with, with Hartman getting the night off and Rossi getting it, I mean, this is clearly a, a Rossi chance to prove himself. Like yeah. this this game, how he plays in the Thursday night exhibition, because we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, it's probably going to tell his fate. Like this is this is a pretty big prove-it game and the last impression that he can make, in my opinion, that will solidify his chances of making this roster. I think my feeling is this, especially with... Um, because my expectations are that this is a playoff team, but I don't think that this is a Stanley Cup team. 
at least not to start the season. My Rossi feeling is what you said, uh, which is if he makes the team, I want him to stay. So what I don't want is for him to make the team and there and you know be a bubble guy. And then he struggles and they're like, whoa, this isn't working. And then you start that bouncing up and down, right? This is not a kid I want that with. So I do think that there is um I do think being a first round pick that there is pressure on him to succeed for sure. Ideally, I would like to see him stick and just stick through the entire year and years thereafter. But I guess if they have any doubt about it, I also don't want him to start because I personally hate, especially for a kid like this, the roller coaster, right? Mm -hmm. Now he's back. Okay, this is going to solve it. Now he's back to Iowa. So I want that. Um, I think Garen is telling the complete and utter truth on this, and it's your guy. So Tyson Jost, Uh uh, you talked pretty highly about him, if I recall correctly, when they made the trade uh, sending Sturm to Colorado. Mm last year because he was a guy who hadn't gotten a chance like, and you didn't know. And, and he probably left college a year early at least. So he pressured himself uh, a little bit as well. But I think Jost is a guy that they have been impressed by. And I wonder if he isn't going to end up being a top six guy consistently by December. Yeah. They're going to give him a shot and they should. They, that, that That's what I wanted to see. I mean, he clearly can play fourth line. That's fine. You can find guys to play fourth line. But he's a top 10 overall pick from four or five years ago. This isn't some right. slappy who um, didn't reach his ceiling of a top six player, got kicked out to the bottom four, and then just became you know a, some, some fourth line role player. Um, this is a dude that really hasn't had the opportunity to even play in the top six. He was in such a log jam in Colorado. And good. Like, I, I'm not, I don't fault Colorado for not putting Tyson Jost in the top six. Like, why would they, right? They had right. insane center depth, and, and they didn't need him up there. But I'd rather them figure out if they have it with Tyson Jost over taking a waiver claim over someone who's going to make 4 to $5 million and take up the last majority of that salary cap space, because it also just makes fiscal sense to ride out with Tyson Jost. When you're building out, and you're in a salary cap league like this, it is so important to have the right salary cap spots built around certain positions. They don't they aren't paying a lot in goaltending. Yes, those buyouts are really hurting them, so that was that's just a loss there. But then how do you right. build out the rest of your roster and how do you get the maximizing of, of it from from a salary cap side? And I do think there is something to Tyson Jost's game. I'm curious to watch him play this year. Last thought. Mm-hmm. On on the cap hits, okay? Parisi and Suter cap hits which we have talked about a thousand times on JHS. So thinking through this out loud, all right? Yes, it hurts. I, I get it. You you are you are basically freezing up uh, cash that could be used on, on free agents and extensions and blah, blah, blah. But that being said, is it the worst thing? Because I will say this, and we've learned this in this town a few times now, going out and having cap space and, and or just salary to spend and getting free agents here doesn't doesn't work like it's not guaranteed it it can help but it doesn't it's not guaranteed to work right so i wonder in some ways if this is actually as as the as the not long long term play but just the next few few years play if this might be the best thing in because of this look at what they're building up system wise now like they have potentially a really good and a ton of depth 
blue line, right? The drafts, the drafts certainly have looked far d- different than they did when Chuck Fletcher was peddling picks. So I'm not saying that any GM wants to be cap-strapped like Bill Garrett is, but I do, you know, I mean, I think ideally, Dex, you're going to build your team. And then if you can supplement with a guy, that's fantastic. But, you know, the notion that you are going to go get, and we, we learned this, Parisian suitor, and now there's a Stanley Cup parade down 94. Yeah. It's probably just folly. It's probably mm-hmm. folly. So I do wonder in some ways if this forces the wild into, because, you know, at the end of Fletcher's run, this the farm system was barren. Iowa was terrible. It was a bunch of just washed yeah. up slappies. So, I, like, I, I'm walking the fine line here of trying to find the positive in building up a system because if you don't have that, I don't think you're going to win no. in a cap league. The, the the dilemma you face is you can't just purge your your draft prospects and and purge your and sell off your prospects for pennies on the dollar. But you do have to walk the line of having depth and then also realizing when the time is to strike. Um, yes. The what the Wild did I thought brilliantly last year was they made additions at the trade deadline. It didn't cost any top prospect. It didn't cost really any top pick. Um, they they figured out the way to mortgage some of their future without hurting any of it either, um, yep. and that that's a line that you have to walk. It, it's great. I Garen went on a, a tangent there in his first answer, talking about all the great depth they have, and that's fantastic. And the Wild have one of the best prospect pools in the entire NHL going into this season. But as I've probably said a thousand times, those top ten prospects that are on the Wild's list or anyone's list right now, odds are odds are. One of those guys and maybe two hits their true ceiling. Mm-hmm. Half of them will flame out and not be anything, and three of them will be decent NHL players that play, you know, a couple hundred games but aren't game-changing, game-breaking players. So right. that's why I've never really fallen in love with prospect hoarding and, and just going down a wormhole of baseball or hockey prospects. I just I just don't think it's worth your time. And also, it's hard. You can look at every hockey reference, baseballreference.com, and find stats. I hate to be classic old man here. Unless you're really watching these prospects every day and you're living in these ho-dunk towns watching them, you don't know anything about them. You don't. Now, so I agree completely, but here, but here's the point that I think becomes important, okay? Ten guys. Five flame out. Yep. Never make it. Yep. Two hit their ceiling and they are contributors, and they're good. Probably not superstars. But good. Maybe one, Yeah. good. Three contribute as as I don't know a third defensive pairing right. bottom six forwards all right now here's where the game becomes to me the most intriguing of the five guys who flame out can you see it coming quick enough to trade them for assets Boom. before they get exposed yes because there's always a dummy yep i mean there's always a team i i don't know let's just say there's always a team that's going to take an injured pitcher right because they're the dummy. Yeah. So, so the so like, I agree with your point wholeheartedly. But I also think that there's a game to be played here from a from a negotiation standpoint. Yeah. Because if I can unload, like, let's say five guys bust, and let's say I can unload two to three for a decent return, and and two guys just bust completely, so they get me nothing. I just think that that's the game. But uh, but you know, to go back to what Fletcher had here. Like he just had a bunch of old guys in the American Hockey League who stunk. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's no trades to be made then, and it's, like, there's no leverage. It, it's bailing when you think it's worth. It. So like, when the Wild traded Matt Hackett 
Remember that goaltending prize? I believe they did that in yeah. the Pominville trade. Yes, they did to Buffalo. You're and right. it was like, oh, you're going to trade a, a can't miss goaltending prospect who has been great in AHL and even came up yep. with the Wild and played pretty well in like a half dozen games, dozen games. Matt Hackett didn't turn in anything, did he? And Wild got a pretty damn good player in Jason Pominville out of it. So, yes, it, it's it's understanding the risk that this prospect might become something for them, but also to your equation, it's bailing before you know that this guy isn't going to be anything. And that takes smarts and risk yes. greater beyond even you and I who pretend that we love to know things. And I love that Garen asked you if you wanted to be a coach. I love, you know, that, that, and, that, and then he insulted my he love of 80s hockey. Yes, he did. I love I it, though. I showed him some of my sticks I got from the... I mean, <laughs> come on, Billy. Come on, Billy G. All right, we're done. Uh, Dex, t- take us home, and we will be back, obviously, again, probably early... Yeah. Next week, if nothing else, then to just do a season preview. About to say, took the words out of my mouth. I'm pretty sure a team little season preview for the Wilds. They they do open the regular season one week from today. Gilbert Perot. Look at this. Get Judd and his cards. Phil Esposito. Let's see what else we got here. Dino Cicerelli. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. 80s, Before Judd uh, literally takes up the next half hour showing Don you his Bowen. cards and God knows what else, uh, hit the subscribe button. Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. This is Judd's Hockey Show. Rate, subscribe, run Apple, Spotify, scorenart.com. And, of course, Pass Shoot Score. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.